Hello, this is Cedric Dankworth-Smythe, and on behalf of everyone at the Paranormal Rundown, I'd like to wish you a joyous Yule season. We welcome the living and the non-living, the visible and the invisible, the saved and the damned, the faithful and the non-faithful. This is the 11th episode of the Paranormal Rundown. We have guests this week. We have Chris and Dean from the Wandering Road Podcast. They are definitely up to snuff when it comes to paranormal dog talk. And get ready, once again, we will be choosing from over 1,700 carefully curated paranormal topics with zero preparation for talking, for discussing, for learning, for sharing. There really is no other podcast like it. It is a unique entity. So once again... Let me wish you the happiest of Yule seasons, as Vic, JJ, David, and Chris and Dean from The Wandering Road bring you the very best in random paranormal discussion. Here we go. JJ, you know these gentlemen. Why don't you, um, why don't you start us off? Sure, I'd be more than happy to. So, these two fine gentlemen are from the Wandering Road podcast. They contacted me two months ago, somewhere along those lines, and invited me onto their show. And I went, had a phenomenal time, have become good friends with both of them. They have been on my podcast, Southern Demonology. Uh, in fact, Chris is going to join me again tomorrow night to talk about some interesting issues. And I was tickled to death to invite them here. I invite, in fact, uh, Chris has become a close TikTok sharing friend, I would say. So it has been a really good time. So I thought they would be perfect additions to the Paranormal Rundown. Very, very well done. Dave, you have anything we need to get out of the way before we start running down? I don't think so. I, I, the only question I have is, is JJ, mm -hmm. did you actually name the skeleton yet? Oh, it's Clive. Clive. Okay, Clive. I couldn't remember. <clears throat> <laughs> I just love seeing it in the background every time we... <laughs> My loyal, familiar Clive. Clive, got it. Any last name? <laughs> no, he, he is nameless in that regard. He likes it that way. Okay, well, it's time for topic number one. I'll warn Chris and Dean that sometimes a show like this that's totally unrehearsed, just go off the cuff. Sometimes the first topic, it's a little hard to get going. Would you agree with that, Dave? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. we warm up pretty quick. We warm up pretty quick. So, here we go. I'm hitting the F9, and I will have topics for you in just a second. And I normally just hit it for a few seconds and stop. Here we go. All right. We have topic number 1367, which is Thai ogres. Heck, any ogres. We're equal opportunity concerning huge, grotesque monsters. 670 is hyperesthesia. 1395 is the green man. 732 is a political topic, which I, I'm not even sure how that got in there. 1656 is yokai. 215, can spirits grow, change, and learn? 
I'm going to do one more topic just because I had the political topic. And I'm going to choose um, favorite Star Trek episodes. Now, I assume that since we had the topic yokai, that JJ just, just kind of a little, had a little uh, free saw in there. Well, that and actually ogres as well, because that ties in. I was to, liking the sound of the ogre. Okay. Yeah, I, I love uh, Oni in Japanese. And actually, uh, if this is okay to share, uh-huh. Dean just got back from a pretty major trip in Japan. So oh, great. maybe up his alley as well. Okay. So oh, are so we ogres there? Oh my do God. you want to combine <laughs> yokai and ogres, or we just want to go with yokai with uh, ogres? No, let's go for both. Okay. So, topic number one is yokai and ogres. I'm opening the floor to anybody who wants to get started. I well, can, start. can we look at JJ real quick and be like, can you explain what a yokai is? Because I uh, I'm a little lost on that subject. <clears throat> yeah, yeah absolutely. So there are two primary categories of otherworldly beings. And that would be yokai and also called bakimono or monsters and yurei, which are spirits or ghosts. And actually, the yokai that y'all were most uh, taken with that we talked about on the last episode of your podcast, would you actually care to share that one, Chris or Dean? Oh, that one. Yeah, go the, for it. It's good. The, <laughs> so to describe it, it is a person. It's shaped like a person, but where your anus is supposed to be is an eyeball. I forget the name of it. Dean, what was the name of that one? Dude, I don't even know. I just remember butthole demon. <laughs> uh, so apparently, apparently the story goes, there was some drunk Japanese man in like, oh, let's say the 1400s wandering out of an old Japanese bar by himself on the lonely streets of, I don't know, insert whatever city, uh, Kobe. Uh, and he was wandering down the street in the rain and then something jumped out at him and he heard the sound behind him. He turns around to see uh, what looks like a man on all fours with his rear end facing directly in his his uh, in his direction, uh, but only to find that looking closely, he sees an eyeball where the man's butthole is supposed to be. And then from henceforth, their visions and the uh, the sightings of such a demon spun out of control in Japan. And I guess everybody knows what it is there now because I asked people everywhere there. And apparently it's a real thing that everyone knows about. And it's hilarious. So... <laughs> This particular type of yokai is called a shirame. It's very possible that they were encountering a distant cousin of ours who suffers from this particular genetic anomaly. His name is Kanshiro Dankwado Smido Sam. Steam has now released a video game featuring our cousin. It is called, unsurprisingly, Shirame, the Curse of Bavai. You might want to play it while standing up. There are a lot of odd ones, and the category of yokai can also get a little confusing because there's another classification that is called sukimono, and these are objects that have been in use for a long number of years, and usually it's 80 to 100 years is kind of the cutoff point, and at that, and at that point, they attain sentience 
and they then take on characteristics of monsters. So, for example, if you have a, a paper screen and it develops holes in it, then eyeballs can spout out of those. If it is a umbrella, then it becomes Kamikasa Obake, which is an umbrella monster that instead of having a shaft uh, that you hold on to to keep yourself safe from the rain, it has one giant leg and it's usually uh, clad in a wooden sandal. And then it has one eye, a big mouth, and a very long tongue. In fact, there is a movie that is currently on Shudder and it's from the 1950s or 60s, but I think it's called Night of a Thousand Demons. And in it, uh, Kamikasa Obake plays kind of the comedic role in it, and it's just fantastic. But in addition to kind of your silly ones, you get a lot of kind of terrifying ones. Uh, there's a lot of legends of women who marry, who just show up on a man's doorstep and the man is so attracted to her that they become married. And then something is straight. There's a mystery about the woman. It's either she won't let him see her eat and come to find out she never eats in front of him. But then one night he sneaks in and finds her feeding all the food in their house to the back of her head in which a huge mouth has appeared. Or it's a snow woman, a Yukiona, uh, who is literally made of ice. There's another story of a woman who um, is a crane who can transform into a human. There's a lot of these. Um, but then probably the most famous yokai and is the, uh, the oni, uh, which is the Japanese ogre. In fact, there's a really famous kids book song play uh called aka oni uh Ao oni the red ogre and the blue ogre and essentially it's two it's a red ogre that lives up in the mountains and a couple of a whole bunch of kids come by and they lose their ball and the red ogre finds it and he wants to give it back to them and play with them but they're terrified of him of course and they run away well, he then gets with his friend, the Blue Ogre, and he details what's going on. And so the Blue Ogre, they make a plan. So the Blue Ogre comes down to the village, acts like he's going to attack it. And then the Red Ogre comes in, saves the day, kicks the Blue Ogre out, and then he's able to be friends with all the little kids. But then, a few months later, he decides to go visit his friend, the Blue Ogre, and he finds a note instead, saying that, I know that the village would never accept me, so I'm moving away, but I hope you have fun with all of your new friends. Not in a passive-aggressive way, but just in a genuine, I, I hope you're happy, even at the sacrifice of my own happiness. And it's a very bittersweet story. So there's real pathos in the story of ogres. There is, yeah. And mm -hmm. they can, and it's just like Tengu, which is another very famous Japanese yokai. And these are the ones that are typically depicted with red faces and very long noses. But they are the ultimate tricksters. 
And you'll find these depicted in either the most horrible of fashions. They're essentially demons. Or you'll find the exact opposite, where they're very friendly and the ogres just want to be friends with humanity, whereas Tengu just want to play kind tricks on them. All right, so here's a question. Uh, do, aside from folk tales and, and stories about these yokai, do they have people that go out and like actively look for the Oni or for other of these monsters like we do with, say, Bigfoot or Dogman? That's a good question. There is a... A kind of a, at least to me, famous um, short horror film <clears throat> that they were getting all of these reports around the Kumo Oni, the Spider Woman. Mm. And this journalist is sent to go out and find reports about her and actually winds up finding her and almost dies in the process. Um, there is a really widespread concept of power spotto or power spots, and these are places where mainly ghosts tend to uh, be attracted to, and or psychic energies happen, and people go there as tests of courage and to really locate exactly what's going on. So I don't know if Oni are really depicted like this. Honestly, most of the monsters out there um you will be lucky to survive if you did encounter them like for example i think the most famous in the in at least in the west and this kind of blurs the line between yokai and yure is uh kuchisaka ona the slit mouth woman mm -hmm. and they say that she'll come up to young men and ask them um am i beautiful and if they say yes then she rips away the mask that she's wearing and shows showcases the horrible deformity and then will kill them with a huge pair of scissors or if they say no then she'll still kill them and really the only way to escape is either to ask am i beautiful back to her and she'll get confused and you run away or you carry cinnamon in your pocket and you throw it in her direction and you run away wow so how many people walk around with cinnamon in their pocket i don't know of a single one <laughs> but you never know <laughs> Uh, Chris and I had this discussion as well on on that uh, young uh, ghost, but uh, we actually wondered, we were kind of theorizing, what would it take to get out of that situation? And we came across one story of a little boy sharing candy with it and uh, apparently tricking it long enough to get away from it. But we were thinking like, well, what if you kind of played a game like, what if you held up a mirror in front of it before you answered? And then you threw it back at her like, well, what do you think? What do you, what do you think about your? How do you see yourself? Yeah, kind of play right. the therapist sort of thing. Or break or maybe just psychologically. Kinda, yeah, or just kind of give her like a kind of, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and just get you catch her off guard. That's the trick. That is nice. a solid strategy. So you know there is a, a Japanese Bigfoot. It's called a Hibigon. I have never heard of that. That's awesome. And, and so Hibigon. here I'm here I'm looking at a YouTube video of a 
supposedly dead hippogon. It looks like a carpet. Um, and they have a skull that doesn't look anything like any kind of normal animal skull. But I always wonder where these stories of, you know, huge, hairy, strong, aggressive beasts come from. You find uh, yeah. them all over Asia. I mean, and all over Europe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in um, <clears throat> I think it's Vietnam. Mm -hmm. You have the, or is it? No, it's the Philippines. I think you have the skunk ape, which is really famous, and you find them everywhere. I think that's they call Vietnam them that here well. in Florida too. Yeah, and then you know, all through Canada, you had the. I mean, essentially, parts of Canada just for a long time recognized the Sasquatch as a tribe of people. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think going off of that as well, if I honestly like so everybody, you know, from my perspective on, on the show with um, Chris and I on the Wonder Road, I kind of take the position of skeptic first. But I have he to say that to ruin all the fun. I like to ruin, <laughs> <laughs> ruin all the fun. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 I, I like I always say on the podcast, I always no matter what, no matter how much skepticism, I always remain Socratic in the sense that I know I know I know nothing. You know, nothing, I know nothing right. whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So um, right. so I will always be humble in that regard. But I was just going to say that if there was one cryptid or supernatural or whatever thing that I would ever believe, it would be something like Bigfoot, because like you guys were saying, there were so many stories across so many cultures. But not only that, you're starting to get into the idea that there's a branch in human history of evolution. And I mean, look at, I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, the Gigantopithecus, but Gigantopithecus was the largest primate that we've ever discovered. And they, you know, they've made reconstructions of this thing and it literally looks like Bigfoot. That's a huge um, orangutan. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, it's an orangutan yeah. that would be, uh, uh, it seems silly, but there's virtually nothing in the Bigfoot world that I don't know. And <laughs> he's gone down way too many rabbits. And, and I don't know why <laughs> I have. I'm well, venturing on the precipice. <laughs> I'm on the precipice. Right well, I have, I have, I have an understanding of why I've gone down these rabbit holes. You're right. I mean, the uh, Gigantopithic, Gigantopithecus, when they did the DNA study of, there's only been one tooth ever found of a Gigantopithecus. But it's a definitely a, a, something like an orangutan tooth, and it's a its DNA is very similar to modern day orangutans. Did you see the movie, um, the new movie ad adaptation of the Jungle Book? Yeah, I did oh. actually. That yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you remember the huge ape? Yes. In there, wanting man's fire. That's a Gigantopithecus. Ah, oh, I see that okay. now. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's a gigantic. Can I ask you real quick? So, so you being really well versed in that that world, I don't want to get. I apologize for going down this rabbit wait, hole. Wait, wait, wait. Being a little the, off topic. This is a show of rabbit holes. First off, there's there's okay. no there's no apologizing. There's no, on, there's, no apolo there's, no, there's no apologizing on the rundown. You know, there's a, it's not allowed. Yeah. yeah you know, there, there's no crying on the rundown. There's no. What else okay. is there? <laughs> Lots of laughing. Lots of laughing. And and rabbit holes are thoroughly encouraged. Absolutely. Okay, awesome, man. I like yeah, to hear we that. We are basically one long tangent that we take stops every now and then to pick a topic. Perfect. That's how my brain works. All right. Good. So, um, uh, so my question would be to someone like you is, so I've heard stories about Bigfoot potentially being supernatural. And there are some ways to fill in the gaps of answering that. Like, how is that possible? In what way are you talking? And one of the ways I heard explained to me was it's like a curse maybe possibly a biblical or religious curse mm -hmm. of human beings who were alive thousands, if not more years ago, who are just, they lost all 
connection to humanity. Um, they lost all ties to communication with with act, like traditional humans. Um, and the supernatural aspect comes from the idea that they themselves don't control their own ability to hide, but they are themselves hidden by some curse that <clears throat> maybe occasionally gets broken through for a second or two to capture. Have you ever heard anything like that? Or I've am heard. I just making that up? No, you're not making that up at all. I mean, there are as many theories as to what a Bigfoot is or that. I'm just going to say that we're going to use the term Bigfoot for everything that walks through the forest on two legs and is much larger than a regular human. They have different appearances in different parts of the world. Hang on a second. You guys talk among yourselves. I got to find something. Well, so here's mm-hmm. a note. I, I pulled up the, the Hibigon on Wikipedia. And it was fascinating. It, it, it gives a description and, and all of that. But then it talks about theories of where it comes from. And it mentions the typical, you know, a gorilla, a wild man. But then it says, or a deserter from the Japanese chefs. <laughs> now, what do they have against cooks, right? I mean, what's JJ, is there like is there a different meaning for chef in Japan? I mean, a chef's a chef, right? Yeah, chef's a chef. It's far Dinner gone order. bad and 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 the next thing you know, he's in the woods growing <laughs> long hair and yeah. Lord only knows. All right, I'm going to share screen 2 of my machine. Uh, aside from Dave, has anybody ever and JJ saw, saw this a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, have you guys ever seen this photo? No, I haven't seen that before. Okay, this photo was taken at my friend on my friend's property using his really really cheap Walmart trail cam. It wasn't set up to try and capture Bigfoot or anything like that. It was set up to try to catch feral dogs because there were feral dogs messing with his with his livestock. With his chickens, with his hens, with his dogs, this kind of thing. This thing right here is a feral dog trap made out of an old uh, veal cage. So it's much bigger than a regular feral dog trap. It's four feet tall. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. This gentleman back here, who seems to be wearing a vest and maybe has a deer leg around his throat, around his neck, and maybe carrying a dead dog over here, hopefully a dead feral dog, has his really nice hair. This is in Pennsylvania on somebody's property that I know. I've seen the, this fellow's seven, nine, but he doesn't look like, he doesn't look like your standard Bigfoot at all. I mean, what he looks like is a, a very odd human. True. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, look at this dude's chest. Uh, <laughs> I mean, let's say you go camping in the woods of Pennsylvania you wouldn't be very happy to get up to go to the bathroom and find this guy. No, that puts the rock to shame. Dear goodness. <laughs> I, I just wish I had hair like so. that. So. I, I don't want to encounter it. <laughs> and I go camping in Pennsylvania, so that, that doesn't make me happy. <laughs> now, what's interesting is, though, uh, I can tell you his initials without telling you his name. AJ, he has tried to get people to be interested in this photo. I'm the one who did all the measurements and then, you know, tried to figure out how large this thing is and all that. People just automatically assume that it's something fake. I wonder how many seven foot nine people there are in Pennsylvania. I mean, I don't, I doubt if there are any, but, but, but anyway, I just think this is a fascinating photo. 
Yeah, I've never seen anything like that. And um, like you said in the beginning, it's not a traditional Bigfoot mm. image, uh, especially <clears throat> with the long, luscious locks of hair, which uh, <laughs> he does I'm, thoroughly, <laughs> I'm thoroughly jealous of. I know, uh, right? <laughs> I don't know if I want to be 7'9", but uh, I like that hair. But yeah, that that is, I can see too, I mean, the granularity, I can see why someone would be skeptical because the clarity behind the granularity in the front is clear. Uh, but it could very well be an action shot. I mean, it could be running or or moving well, quickly. Well, I, I assume um, that the the creature the, but to me this is a man. Okay, you, you yeah. can call you can call it a creature any way you want. But even though he's huge and really kind of weird looking, you saw him in a parking lot. You're not going to say, you know, that's a that's an ape. You're going to say that is one really weird looking dude. And you might move to the other side of the parking lot. Oh no! Yeah, I, this is something. It. So that's something that I pointed out to Vic on it. The mm-hmm. the back is clear. Clear and clarity the foreground here. Foreground is fear. Clarity here. Clear, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Vic thinks it's because he's moving. I I don't know, you know, so you just wonder all these photos are blurry. If you if you take this photo for what it is, it's somebody that Vic trusts, he knows there's no motive here to try to you know, game the system and say, oh, you know, I found a Bigfoot or found a whatever, you know, you kind of wonder sometimes, why are all these things blurry? Maybe there's a different reason. As far as I know, this photograph has only been shown to AJ, uh, his family, his friends, you guys, and Val. Those are the only people who've ever seen this photo. You know, AJ hasn't you know, tried to get on shows and, you know, call TV stations and said, you know, hey, look at this photo, make me famous, give me give me a lot of money or any of that sort of thing. All he wants to tr- do is try to figure out what's on his property. And if I had that Without on my... Without questioning it in person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but here's the other thing. You talked about there being a curse or something that kept them hidden. I mean, one of the things they talk about a lot is portals that these things can exist on the earthly plane for a period of time long enough to grab a dog and then they can go back into whatever plane they exist on now look i realize that is a totally unsupported completely arbitrary absolutely non-scientific statement but it is what some people say so maybe he's going through a portal and you don't get to be clear but just for a tiny second as you're going through the portal yeah. Um, that's what Jim Butcher's theory was and his line of fantasy books around Harry Dresden. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bigfoots are, they, they live in a separate yet distinct dimension. Mm-hmm. And they can come right on in. Now, I've also heard people say that these are the remaining Nephilim. Now, and, that and- would be a potential fit. For this, since it's not as as Bigfoot looking, since it's more human looking, mm-hmm. and they'll say things like, "Well, it's anyway." But you're you're right. There are is there in the Bigfoot world. There's the it's a flesh and blood ape. Well, this is I mean it's a hominid, but it's not an ape. And then you have the woo side. Okay, where they disappear into portals and this kind of thing. And you have a few people who are kind of willing to look at both sides of that argument. But they don't get along very well. (laughs) I have a hard time of the whole portal concept. 
But have you guys ever heard of the supposed giant of Kandahar? I have. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's what comes to mind to me. Because when you see this whole, guy, yeah. Yeah, because when you stare at the picture, you can see like you could see like the outline, like how I have my facial hair. Mm-hmm. It's kind of similar to that. You could see the long shaggy hair. It looks like he kind of has like he or she or whatever it is. Has, I think it's a he. Has uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to be respectful to everybody. Well, wait a minute. You know, no, wait a minute. <laughs> when you go to pick up your date <laughs> and she looks like this guy. I don't know. I mean, if it was, that's how fantasy dwarves, you know, depict their females. So who knows? <laughs> I mean, what do you say? Wow, you look great tonight. Uh, <laughs> like Gimli said, they also they look similar in shape and size. Right, you need it. Got to be careful, man. You might get a portal open up behind you if you get a little bit too attractive. You might be snatched, hit on the head and snatched. Dragged by, through. Uh, <clears throat> Anyway, anyway, so yeah, you're right. I mean, there are all these different supernatural explanations. But the going back to the giant of Kandahar, one of the reasons I find that story interesting, and that's a that's a topic on the rundown list, by the way, is that it kind of comes from different sources. There are a lot of different army units, a lot of different military units in that area started talking to people about, hey, did you hear what happened up at Kandahar? So it, it, when when something comes from multiple directions, it gives me more of a reason to stop and think that there might be something going on there. Absolutely. Have you heard the rest of the story? I mean, some some of the story just gets beyond even physical possibility. But I think the giant of Kandahar was supposed to be maybe twice this guy's size, m- meaning that he would be, what, 16, 18 feet tall? Yeah, like 15 right about, plus. Yeah. Which means that... He's going to weigh a ton, literally a ton or more. And it means that, well, anyway, he apparently had psychic abilities where he could cause pain in the heads of the people that were around him. Even when he was dead, he had psychic abilities. So that's not something I've studied a lot. That's the first I've heard of the psychic abilities claim. Because from the accounts that I read, well, the alleged accounts, yeah, was that he kind of looked like an overgrown caveman type of thing, yep. type of looking person <clears throat> with a spear. And I believe some accounts say that he had a shield or something of that sort. And they eventually took his head off with all the rounds they unloaded. Yeah, yeah they said there's, a, there's some podcast that uses the Kandahar Giant story as part of their opening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The confessionals. Yeah. I listen to that podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're part of their opening. And it's, yeah. It says something like this. Shoot him in the face. Shoot him in the face. And they basically decapitate him. Yeah. Sounds that. effective. Well, what do you do if you are a commander over there in Afghanistan and you get the call that, hey, listen, we've got this 16 foot giant that just killed a bunch of our guys and we shot it in the face 812 times and there's not much of a head left. What do we do with it? You call think, in the uh, black helicopters to remove it. <laughs> you take it to Area 51. You take it to Area 51. That's it. <laughs> what I find intriguing about, about the story the most is the accounts that um, locals were aware that that creature lived in that cave or that is among interesting. the caves. And the, so um, 
I mean, that, that goes, if you, if you want to get really conspiratorial, that really goes down the rabbit hole of like this whole idea of like, could, is it possible that there could be some kind of, um, international cabal of some group that knows all these secrets or whatever highly unlikely it would take so much effort and so much overlap and just so much control maybe we would have that kind of control in the next like 50 years with all the technological advancements but i think that that kind of that level of control would be extremely hard to do in any environment um so that does beg the question like like you guys were saying whenever this event did happen what happened to the body what happened to the uh, the remaining individuals who were alive from this encounter, the soldiers? Um, how were they debriefed? Were they kind of absconded away to, like Chris said, maybe Area 51 and, and uh, uh, debriefed about it? But like it just it just seems like one of those situations where if it really did happen, it would eventually have to come out to at least a moderate degree of someone answering some questions that, you know, as the popularity grew, kind of like with the UFO thing, like UFO has become so uh, prevalent in society. People make so many uh, uh, sightings per year. Somebody has to say, somebody official has to say something. And as we saw with the disclosure, like people on the other side, the government side starting to slip out through those cracks that have, have been forming for years. And um, that, see that, like, I always go to those questions whenever I hear a story like this. I'm not saying it's not feasible or plausible, um, but I, like, just out of pure curiosity, I have to wonder what the actual layout of the event was and where they took the body afterwards. So what, what, did, you, yeah. what did Mark Twain say? Something like, two people can keep a secret if one of them is dead? Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, the, the flip side of that is you, you look at the UFO thing, you have so much pressure on the government to say something, and there seems to be a significant number of events, too. So this you're talking about one event, it's, you know, in a fairly distant place, you know, it's not like there's a whole bunch of people saying, hey, government, tell us about your giants, you know. <laughs> people aren't looking for that. So it might be an easier story to quash than well, something I, like yeah, a UFO sighting. There's, yeah, there's yeah. also the idea of just supreme isolation. So, for instance, I have talked to a soldier, an officer, whose job it was to make contact with these Afghani tribes. And really, they are tribes. I mean, they're, they're people who have lived in a certain mountainous region of Afghanistan, same families for thousands of years or hundreds of years, at least. And they're very, very unaware of the outside world. So once he got to the point where he was talking to them and they trusted him somewhat, he had books that he wanted to show the kids. And one of the books was just a, a book of animals. You know, look, here's animals in the outside world. And he was showing them a whale. And one of the older men in the village comes over and sees this and says, you know, get that away from my children. You're, you're showing them lies. There's no animal like that in the entire world. There's, there's nothing yeah. that large. Okay, so if they have that degree of isolation from the outside world, why would we know anything about what's happening to them? Just, just a quick anecdote. Um, I did not, and this is probably really embarrassing to admit, but I did not know that narwhals existed until probably the age of like 17 i just never like came across the description of a narwhal and did you like did you like learn that. that through elf 
I did. <laughs> I probably. I did. Probably. <laughs> no I don't shame. remember, but. <laughs> Bye, buddy. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know about him. Don't feel bad. I didn't know about him until my kids started singing that stupid Narwhal song. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, there's a conspiracy for came you. Up, like, right? There's a conspiracy for you. We all kind of learned about Narwhals at the same time. Maybe they didn't exist before. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's one of those. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, multi-dimension theories or whatever, right? where like things changed when it split. Oh my gosh, the Mandela! Yeah. I was like a Mandela. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like that. Well, wait a minute. What's the Narwhal song? I I don't remember. I, I remember on, my Dad. kids singing. No, no. It's, <laughs> hey, look, my kids. Like my my youngest is twenty three, so <clears> it's <throat> been a while back, but. But I remember, I remember. Well, well I may, I might make use and... of um, fifteen seconds fair use of the Norwell song. <laughs> Why not? Narwhals, narwhals swimming in the ocean, causing a commotion because they are so awesome. Narwhals, narwhals swimming in the ocean, pretty big and pretty wide, to beat a polar bear in a fight. Like an underwater unicorn, they've got a kick-ass facial harm. They're the Jedi on the sea. Stop Kavula, waiting. Actually, going back to the whole UFO thing, I've been dying to bring this up to you guys. Excellent. It's not my idea. I actually shared this with Chris, and I think he hated it. But so there's an author, um, Jason Paragon, I think his name is something like that. His name he's is the Paragon? Guy who wrote, yeah, he's the guy who wrote. Was it that TikTok, JJ? Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy who wrote uh, John Dies at the End, which is a pretty famous cult sci-fi book. It was actually really well written. But anyway, uh, he sometimes posts some of these random thoughts that he has on various Insta various social media accounts that he has. And he had an idea of what if this didn't happen? So he was telling the story about the real life case that supposedly happened uh, in the movie Fire Above the Sky. It was kind of the first UFO alien. Oh, you're talking uh, oh, Fire the, in the Sky. Fire Walton. In the sky. Thank Walton. You. Uh, what's his first name? Travis Walton. Uh, Travis, Travis Walton. Yeah. yeah, Travis Walton. Yeah. yeah. Now, but anyway, the way that he told the story was, you know, they had this odd experience where they were missing hours they were seeing a light shift back and forth in the sky and they finally made it home but it was much later than what they should have been mm -hmm. and they stayed silent about this they didn't really tell anybody uh and then it was only after you know um, memory retrieval from hypnosis did they really see all this and that became mm -hmm. kind of the very first publicized alien abduction story. Wasn't yeah, that you're the, talking about Betty and Barney? Yeah, Betty and Barney Hill. Hill. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way that he was kind of linking things together, he said that, and I agree with this one point: is that one memories cannot be retrieved during hypnosis, and there's been some pretty horrifying stories of memory implantation during hypnosis especially during horror i mean not horror uh, during murder trials right in which this stuff was kind of admitted and wound up being completely you know at least as far as we know bullets mm -hmm. anyway so 
you take that piece of it and then he claimed that oh you know a week before the session there was a uh, an outer limits episode which showcased an alien that looks remarkably like a gray and you take all of that into account and oh and then the light shifting back and forth could have easily been a uh, a watchtower in a forest because mm-hmm. they actually traced it like people have traced it back and it happened right around that watchtower in the forest mm-hmm. you could easily but whether it happened or not his point was there were you know alien abductions were not in the collective psyche of humanity correct after that it very much was and it's a well-known concept today what if all of that stemmed from a completely you know misinterpreted or erroneous story well i mean there's nothing to preclude that from being the case yeah and that i think as he he i have a lot of disagreements with this guy's opinions but i still watch it because it's interesting but his basic premise was Okay, if it happened, yes, that's scary. If we now have this idea about alien abductions just from this, that is terrifying. That's even scarier. Where did you hear this? Because I, I, I must have listened to this myself. I posted it on my Discord server. That's where I saw it from. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I just remember hearing this. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll throw another piece of information in there. Even though there has not been the idea of aliens abducting people until relatively recently, there has been the idea of fairies abducting people. Oh, absolutely. You know, of of other types of creatures more in keeping with the technological understanding of the time, taking people for whatever period of time. 20 years seems to be the often the number. Yeah, I mean, fairy rings, you never step into a fairy ring. Never step into a fairy ring. Never come out. Well, I, I feel I've, like the evolution. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, man. No, you go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I feel like the, the evolution of the human psyche and everything that comes from that concept of, uh, you know, we don't really know anything in, outside of ourselves. I mean, what, who's the, I don't know if you guys have studied um, philosophy. Um, it's been a minute since I've actually formally studied it, but there, I think it was like Descartes or somebody who was like talking, like making the argument that you literally cannot prove anything outside of your own consciousness. Correct. We were talking. You guys can't prove, you can't prove that we're sitting here um, having a discussion and that we are all actually separate entities in consciousness. And you also can't prove that you just didn't pop into existence 20 seconds ago with all the uh, memories and all that stuff in your mind. So to me, uh, if we were talking about like branching, uh, you know, multiverse theories and, and, you know, which, which, uh, are we in a B universe now where we were in the A universe before and then suddenly shit here, sorry, crap hit the fan. Uh, and then, <laughs> okay. uh, and then things just, things just feel like, you know, off for the last like five or six years, everyone's talking about how it just feels like everything is not on the same track that it was years ago. Um, and I have to wonder if that's like, you know, history repeating, it's probably psychological purely. It's probably not anything supernatural or like you know something really crazy like metaphysical but um that i think that you can't have this conversation even all going all the way back to the giant of kandahar like you can't have this conversation about what has existed in history versus what we know as a fact right now and the blurring of the lines like the mandela effect i mean it's just it all stems back to the perception of of the human psyche and how we 
take in information and share information and how we more importantly remember information. Um, and you, I feel like you can apply that to any conspiracy, theory any conspiracy theory. Well, I think the important thing you're talking about there, I mean, we were talking about this last rundown. Okay. Where we, we started talking about the whole Maxwell's demon approach. I mean, I'm not, not Maxwell's the demon. The no, no, not Maxwell's demon. I'm making the same mistake. <laughs> the Cartesian evil genius conjecture. Okay. Where the idea that Descartes put forth was I could be a brain in a jar or a box or something. And there is a very powerful demon who's decided that his entire purpose in existence is to fool me into thinking that I'm a real man, okay, that I'm living a real life. And so, you know, he's just bombarding me with this information. Well, I mean, just the way that the limitations of, of logic and human knowledge go, you can't disprove that. You can create a heck of a lot of evidence that seems to make it unlikely, but that word proof, that's, that's a step that you can only take as far as I know, in pure logic and in, in math using the, the rules of pure logic. True. And now you have the modern incarnation of, of all of that with this idea of, you know, um, we exist in a simulation. Yeah, in a simulation. And especially with all of these huge glitch in the matrix types of videos that you'll find everywhere nowadays there are a lot so, of them mm -hmm. well i don't think we live in a okay let's do a poll here <clears throat> i most of my career has spent been spent creating simulations that that's that's what i've spent a lot of my life doing and i know how hard it is to create a simulation and I know how incredibly difficult it is to get anything useful out of a simulation. Now, of course, I'm not a I'm not a God level kind of mind, but I just don't think we live in a simulation. What about you guys? I can. Yeah, I one thing that I wanted to add on to the, the um, previous point there, and I, I agree with you, I, I think that like I would err on the side that reality is reality. However you want to perceive it, it, it is how it is. And there might be some like underlying mathematical constants or whatever that duplicate or simulate or seem like a simulation. But, um, but here's, here's a twist to that concept. Why do we have so many strange occurrences that come and go into our reality yet we have no definitive proof. So we have ghosts, we have ghosts and we have some hints that ghosts and, and spirits exist in our reality, but we also have a reality that has um, spiritualism, religious experiences. And uh -huh. on top of that, we also have supposed extraterrestrials who are uh, evolved a million years. It seems extremely unlikely that you would have a religious narrative be true that some people claim, but also have extraterrestrials who are so far evolved beyond us, you know, living for millions of years in different parts of the universe coming to visit us. It seems like the two just don't fit in the same reality. So, if we have all those things existing, it seems to me the only way that they could exist simultaneously is if it, if the universe was some kind of simulation where someone could pop code in, pop code out, make things uh, occur a certain way, present a certain way, and then withdraw. Just just show it long enough for someone to get a glimpse of it, or or you know better yet, if someone actually does get a firm grasp on it, rip it out before it gets before it spreads to the rest of your code and everybody else gets tainted, you know whatever. So like, 
I don't know. What do you think about that perspective that all we have all these things, aliens, religion, um, spirits, supernatural stuff, all existing on the same plane. We have we have a little bit of evidence for all of it. So how could all be true and exist simultaneously if there wasn't some um, someone moving the pull strings higher on a higher level? So I definitely see the perspective. I get what you're saying, especially the idea of, hey, I'm going to I'm going to alter the simulation. I'm going to run this code in and and see what happens and then pull it back out. I get that. I actually had this conversation the other night with my youngest son where he said, basically, I don't think you can have God and aliens, <laughs> right? Really? He's like, the two don't coexist in the same universe. Of course, it's a pretty, for me, that was pretty simple arguments to say. Did he explain why? No, he couldn't explain why. In his brain, they just don't fit. But my perspective is, and this is what I told him, is that there's nothing in in the Bible or tradition that says we're the only thing that God created. No. Right? And so it's perfectly reasonable for God to have created things before us, to create things after us, that we just don't know about because it wasn't part of what we needed to know through the Bible or through tradition right of christians so yeah yeah that's an interesting concept that i've heard uh, among my circle of friends not my fellow tin foil hatters here (laughs) on the paranormal rundown that well how can religion be correct how can this be this if aliens exist but i always give uh, dean and i are big gamers Mm-hmm. And I always give the example of you're playing a video game and we use this example with the concept of souls like and reincarnation like this is your character you could load another save if I am playing a video game in the sense that I'm playing Civ 5 or I'm playing a Total War game in which I have ultimate control of the world around me as the creator I can create different cultures and species that have different beliefs in the sense that eventually they'll interact with one another, but I have a direct hand in how they develop and how they evolve and how they process things. So who's to say there isn't, hypothetically speaking, there isn't one creator running multiple experiments at the same time with regards Mm -hmm. to creation? Once again, nothing. And this is, you know, I've heard you say before, Vic, simulations are tough. I don't think you would do simulations uh, just for the fun of it. But that's what video game worlds are. Yes. That's where they're moving, right? When you mm-hmm. think of MMOs and the character, the NPC creation, the storylines, all of this stuff, these are getting to the point to where they're almost simulations. They are simulations. Right? But you also see lots and lots of things where you have a pair of boots walking around without a person in them or where you have, you know, the the donkey with incredibly long hair. This guy, they're all yeah, kind- that's just a matter of advancement in technology. <clears throat> that's just a matter you of look at look at uh, No Man's Sky. Anybody played No Man's Sky? I've never yep. played that. Uh, right? I, have. I mean, unlimited worlds. Now, there's a certain limit to the amount of variability. I haven't played it in a couple of years. My son's been playing it more. I see there's a lot of advancements in the game, but still, 
it was fairly simple, and yet there was this endlessness to it that was amazing. And I mean, that I don't think that was that difficult to create. And I bet you a company started from scratch today and finished a new one of those 10 years from now, five years from now, it would be 10 times more advanced than No Man's Sky was. Well, and you've got Starfield that just came out, what, two months ago? And yeah, besides like NPCs just randomly teleporting through a floor, uh, which happens a lot because it's a Bethesda game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so maybe maybe that's what ghosts are, right? Maybe those are the bugs in the simulation. The bugs in the simulation. It's a possibility. Yeah. Real quick, guys, if you don't mind, I wanted to circle back to something that Dean brought up when we were talking about the uh, giant of Kandahar and we eventually moved on to UFOs was the concept of, you know, it being kept under wraps, it being difficult. Mm -hmm. I personally don't think it is hard to keep that stuff under wraps because one, you could easily lump people. The easiest way to dismiss someone is to like Dave Chappelle said is to call them crazy. Mm-hmm. You call them crazy. And it's like, oh, they're crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. Like, if these soldiers came out and said, oh, yeah, we fought this giant and they speared one of us and, like, we took his head off, you could easily dismiss them and say they're crazy. They have PTSD. They have shell shock. They were out on the front line for too long. There are so many ways that you could dismiss them. And keep things under wrap. Or you could, like we said before, like you met, we all mentioned that you could you could easily kill them as well. Because if you look at society in general, it's not very difficult to sway opinion in one way or another. Nope. And people tend to go with whatever makes them comfortable at the time. So if the thought of these giants not existing, if the thought of aliens with advanced technology that could travel across the universe, multiple galaxy, and could potentially vaporize our planet in one shot if they wanted to, I'd rather believe, and I'm sure more most people would rather believe that this is fake. <laughs> I, I don't I don't believe this is real because it scares me. And I think it it mainly falls into the fear factor stuff. Well, and uh, Dean and I go back and forth on this stuff all the time on our podcast. Right. Well, I would agree with you to an extent. And it really depends upon the number of individuals involved and the radius of the blast radius of it. So that may work for a smaller type of event like the Giant of Kandahar. But let's say that you blow that up to the scope of the fake moon landing. There, you're dealing with half a million people, hundred thousand, million people, four hundred and fifty thousand people. Yeah, there is zero way people would ever keep their mouth shut about that ever. So, well, yeah, no, you're right. The scope is is what can be contained. So you take something like the giant of Kandahar, right? I mean, this is you think back. This is the whole purpose of the Men in Black. Right. The whole, you know, whether they're real or not, the whole purpose of the men in back is containment. Mm. So containment's not really that hard. You you think, okay, well, you really want your army pension? Right. Well, there's, because there's, 
we could make that go away. We could make that go talk. away. Yeah. Well, there's and that, just, and people self-contain. Yes. Look, I'm, I'm, look. I mean, if 100%. I'm a, if you're a guy who's been up there, if you're the guy who shot the Kandahar giant in the head, there might be a big part of your psyche and your soul that says, you know, this is probably best kept secret the rest of my life. Yes. Because yeah. because think about how far outside the realm of experience that is for just about any, i mean i don't know anybody who's been shooting giants in the head i haven't shot a giant in the head but i can say that those of us that have had paranormal experiences we fall into that same category because of, of self-censoring so, yeah because you're mm -hmm. afraid of how you're going to be perceived like when i <clears throat> when dean and i went on to jj's show southern demonology and I shared what I experienced, it took a lot for me to share everything pretty much because <laughs> it's the perception. It's like, okay, this person's lying. This person is crazy. Like you really, you're very self-aware when you, when you talk about these things, you absolutely but on, are. A pod, on a podcast platform, we let people know from the beginning this is for fun we're taking these topics and we're just shooting the crap with them mm -hmm. and we're just going down a rabbit hole with them like mm -hmm. you guys said earlier mm -hmm. but there are things that i've experienced and i believe vic you were on jj's podcast as well sharing some stories i think i listened to your i had some very unusual ho uh hospital experiences yes yeah yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. i listened to that a few days ago which mm -hmm absolutely loved so vic but, had the perfect possession ones yep. i had my own demonic experience that was on the uh, on jj's as well so yeah we've all been through something yeah i'll spill uh -uh. my i'll spill my guts for a second i mean this group of gentlemen i've told very intimate details of my life but not everything <laughs> right <laughs> there, there there are things that i hold internally and I may always hold internally. As you should. Yep. I do the same. I <laughs> hold on to, I have, I've always said that I have at least 15 different filters between my inner thoughts and the outside world running at any particular time. And yeah, probably. that is why mm -hmm. I don't drink. It's not because I can't <laughs> or because I have a problem with it. It's simply because of the fact that the few times that I have ever gotten drunk in my life, your filters, those filters disappear. <laughs> a short comment on this topic from the renowned American philosopher, Ron White. Well, he called the police because we broke a chair on the way out the door and I refused to pay for it. And the cops showed up and at that point I had the right to remain silent, but I didn't have the ability. Yeah. yeah. And that is terrifying to me. It really is. Note to self, get JJ loaded on sake. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I want to be there. I want to be there. Chris, do you, I mean, do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience? Yeah, I can. So I could share a quick story. So we're not here all night. Um, so essentially, I moved in to this uh, home in new york i grew up in new york city so i moved into this home this suburban home 
And from the beginning, it was kind of off. Um, you'd have the footsteps, you'd have like knocks on the door and nobody would be there type of thing. But there was this one thing in particular that happened. I can't remember. I think it might have been summer or it was still a little like getting close to summer. So the layout of the home, uh, we lived in a duplex. Uh, My family and I, we lived on the second floor and our aunt, my aunt was staying with us at the time. So if you can picture this, here's the kitchen and straight forward in the kitchen is like a short hallway. That's a little wide to the right is a closet door to the left about five feet from maybe not five feet, like maybe seven feet from the closet door is the entrance to the bathroom door. And they like, face opposite each other and then there's one bedroom door and the other bedroom door so my aunt walks out of one of the bedroom doors walks towards the bathroom door opens the door and gets shoved and lifted off the ground and slams into that door my mom saw it my sister was there and I saw it And my mom at the time made the joke at which Dean made the joke as well. Like, what if the the ghost has to go to the bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) Out of my way. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But that's one of the things that's like really ingrained into my mind of trying to think of like being like a kid at like 14 years old at the time. I'm, I'm like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, And I'm trying to rationalize because at the time I I was an atheist at the time, like I, cause my parents were super religious. My family, super religious. They tried to push it on me and being a rebellious kid. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then all of these things started happening and it was like, what is this? There is no scientific. I I, like, if you guys could tell me if there was a scientific explanation of how she lifted off the ground and got tossed into that, to the closet well, door. <laughs> like, well, that's to me the. I talk to a lot of people who have paranormal experiences. And to me, that's the hardest thing to even get my mind around is in order for me to pick this up, this is a jar of holy water, by the way. In order for me to pick up this jar of holy water, my fingers have to touch it, they have to grasp it. I have to use energy to pick it up. Okay, there has to be a transmission of force in order for anything physical to move. Your family members are exactly the same way. If let's assume she weighed 130 pounds, well, at least 130 pounds of force had to be directed at her body in order for her to do what she did. Now, could she have, and this is what the extreme skeptics always say. They'll say, well, she she had a momentary seizure. (laughs) like in which case her seizure caused her to defy gravity (laughs) and it's one of those gravitational seizures yeah it's one of those gravitational seizures where you don't have a postictal state you don't have a post seizure period of minimal consciousness so i can't look you're an intelligent human being you were there did you see your aunt do anything that just seemed incredibly different from what she normally does no she and then, but then you saw her body moving in a way that should not have happened. Yeah. Like you said, the listeners won't be able to see this, but when 
the way her arms moved backward, it was like if someone shoved you. It was like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember because I saw I had a side profile view because in order to walk into the bathroom, she had to be this way. Mm-hmm. So all I see from my perspective is she walks towards the bathroom, steps one foot, and then like this. Right. Like, gone. Yeah, like she was hooked up to a guide wire in a yeah. Hollywood studio that yanked her backwards. That's yeah. what it was. It was a guide wire. <laughs> it was Charlie Chaplin's ghost pulling a prank. Right. And they, they... <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I'm left very dissatisfied with the uh, the skeptic approach to this kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, and no one can ever explain to me how <laughs> sitting in the living room with my mother, mm-hmm. middle of the summer, and we're watching television and she hears her voice call my name. <laughs> There was there was a time where I was I don't mean to get off topic because I know we have other topics. There is no off topic. (laughs) Okay. no, this is what we're here for. Yeah. All right. All right. So basically, before that happened, um, when I was by myself and this happened to my sister and my dad, we would hear a voice of our family member call our name. So this was my senior year of high school. I finished class early because I went in at like seven and I had like three classes. So I'm back at home at like 11 o'clock. So I pop on my Xbox. I have Xbox 360. I have my headset on. One of my ears is left open. So I'm sitting there playing Call of Duty. And then I hear my mom like call my name, (laughs) like yell my name. Mm -hmm. And I ignore it, whatever. Then it happens again. So I'm like, what the hell? So I pick up my phone. I call her. My mom worked in Manhattan at the time. So in order for her to get home, she has to take the train. Mm -hmm. So I call her. She picks up the phone and I can, she picks up the phone and she's like, what's going on? Are you okay? Cause she thinks something's wrong. And I'm like, mom, you're at work, right? She's like, yeah. And I could hear the, the noise of Manhattan in the background. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I told her like, mom, I hear your voice calling my name and she just basically says ignore it don't answer it just stay in your room (laughs) don't acknowledge (laughs) anything of that sort and like multiple times ever like that i was 16 or 17 years old when that instance happened but when i was like 13 14 years old i would hear her voice and i would respond to it which apparently you're not supposed to do Cause I didn't know any better. And it was one of those things where it's like, please like, you know, debunk that for me because I would gladly take someone debunking that and the footsteps and the knock, the three knocks on the door when no one's home and electronics turning themselves on when they're unplugged. Correct. That's just a plethora of things that I experienced living in that home. Well, I'm just going to start from the assumption that you are not hallucinating. You know, I would you, hope not. <laughs> you've gone through your entire life and you're not aware of any hallucinations you ever have. No. <laughs> so, you know, so there was no reason that you should have been hallucinating then. Then there is, to me, a sort of interesting aspect of that. For someone to call your name. Hey, Chris. You know, Chris, get your butt out here. What, you know, what's this all about? Whatever was going on, whatever you were hearing. Well, there are two possible thoughts in my mind. One. Some force is vibrating the air, like vocal cords would, and lungs. Mm -hmm. 
or that particular sound is being implanted in your mind without there actually being any physical process happening. Uh, Dave, I know you've, you know more about this than I do by a long way. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's two general thoughts on it, you know, and that's, it's either a physical, you know, a physical sound is being generated or it's some sort of psychic experience, right? Where it's, it's implanting it in your mind. And I think people have experienced both. At one point, my mom and I were sitting together in the living room and we both heard her you voice heard called. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. Cause it gives you that validation, but you still couldn't necessarily say that that wasn't a psychic impression. Right. Because a psychic impression could be given to both of you. Hmm. Um, but I'm not saying that it wasn't either, right? I mean, I'm just saying the only way I think you can say definitively is if you you recorded it on a device somewhere, you know. Right? Believe well, me, I'd rather it be a psychic uh, impression. <laughs> you would almost have to have a digital recorder inside a Faraday cage with the microphone outside the Faraday cage. I don't know if that'll work because it still travels down the still travels the down microphone. the yeah yeah. Yeah, but finding, you can put the you can put the the microphone inside the Faraday cage. It won't mm -hmm. block. It doesn't uh, block sound. That's correct. Yeah, audible sound. So yeah, yeah. No, I've thought long. I, I I've I've drawn up plans to build <laughs> one to put a recorder inside of. <laughs> I just haven't taken the time to buy the stuff. We don't investigate as much as we used to. So I'll just go get you some yeah. copper screening. Yeah, yeah. I know that investigations that I've been on. I have once heard a disembodied voice, and I actually caught it on uh, on audio. And this was at uh, the Clay County Jail up here in uh, in Florida. I'm trying to remember what it said. It wasn't. Uh, I don't even remember what it said. It says three words. I've I've got my notes here, but it it said something, and Laura and I, my wife Laura, we both heard it. And I had it on audio. So in that case, something made vibrations in the air. There was an audible sound that happened. But, you know, without without having a recorder or someone else to confirm that they heard it as well. Well, even then, I don't know if you would know if it was psychic or, or audible. But there wasn't a microphone involved in this? In my case? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've got it on audio. Oh, you've got it on audio. Yeah. Yeah, I've got it on audio. Um, well, why don't we hear it? I I don't. I I have it. Let me. Now it's it's quiet, but we can. Uh, I can share my screen and we can listen to it if you like. Yeah, let's do. All right, so go in here and share. All right. So Sony, can you see? Uh, can you see my screen here? Yeah. Yep. See my SoundForge. All right. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of background noise. We're we're in a jail. All right. This is uh, an old jail. We're on the second floor. There's you know bars open to the outside, and we're Laura and I are, are sitting inside of a cell, and I've got 
a camera and two audio recorders running. And this is off of one of the audio recorders. It's not as clear on the camera one. But right about in this section right here, you're going to hear a voice. I can't tell what it says, but it is clearly a voice. And then afterwards, what you'll hear is us going, hey, did you hear that? Or something like that. So... So we're talking about the car, but she heard, she actually heard the voice. So it's right. Do you hear the audible sound there? It sounds like a person talking. Yeah, I hear it. I hear it. Okay. It's, it's very difficult to hear what they're saying. Yeah. I have no idea. I, I don't have, um, you know, no definite. Have you tried taking out the background noise? No, Vic, I don't have your audio skills. And as I've told you before, I don't, uh, I, I don't, well, package- I don't typically break apart EVPs and start playing with the sound because I figure as soon as I do that, I'm starting to alter what I might. Yeah, I agree with consider it. Cer- yeah, certainly you can look at it that way. There are certain things I don't mind doing. I don't mind getting rid of the background noise and I don't mind amplifying the actual EVP. Anything else I don't want right. to do, but those right. two things I don't mind. If you'll send it to me, I'll get rid of the background noise. Yeah, we'll do that, but I don't want to... I no, not right now, but, but, here, but at some but, point. Uh, well, we'll see if we can't pull it off and, uh, and maybe put it at the end in a note or something. Well, being the terminal audio nerd of the gang of nerds, I decided to take that, that recording and decrease the background noise and see if I could amplify it such that I could actually hear what was being said. It still sounds like a whispery voice, but I have no idea what it's saying. Now it's time for a patented paranormal rundown. Lick it a split, quick like a possessed bunny, return to a prior topic. This is one of the few actual talents of the gang of nerds. Because it's going to bug me, and this may be a conversation for a later time, I had never ever had a thought in my mind that aliens and God could not coexist. <laughs> that's, that's never ever occurred to me at all. But your son, he brought this up in conversation. And he yeah. and he wasn't able to tell you to tell you yeah, why. Yeah. No, he's just like no, the two just don't go together. You know, you know, you know what it could be, and uh, this is something I didn't get to interject with earlier, which um, I can probably do now. But may, and I don't want to put words uh, in your son's mouth, but it could very well be that he uh, may be thinking more from the Judeo-Christian perspective uh, from that idea, because I can see like the, you could have two arguments. You can have the one argument where. It'd be hard to have aliens exist in a Judeo-Christian world where, um, you know, Jesus is the son of God and he takes on a human form and it's, you know, he being the son of God and in, in the Trinity is specifically focused on the saving of souls of humans and as humans exist in the, the realm of the, the, the world or whatever. So there's that argument, like how can aliens exist if they are advanced beings with intelligence? Um, 
and they are they look that's another conversation for another day too by the way like they're bipedal they have two arms two legs two eyes like why do they look like us they should theoretically look like something completely different if they evolved elsewhere um but there's that that conversation the idea that how can aliens exist in the world of a judeo christian religion but then how can you can also say how can aliens exist with just a general god that can create anything including uh like chris was saying any type of religion to fill whatever gap human need or whatever in history whether it's uh christianity judaism uh, uh islam hinduism etc so i i think if i were to fall into one of those camps i would say that it would be hard for a god to exist exist with extraterrestrials in a realm that where one religion was right where one religion was more on on uh, like more accurate for reality but i think it's more possible that there could still be a general god creating uh you know certain religions and certain things but also create humans and extraterrestrials at different times um or at least introduce those elements of life to to lead to evolution but then you get into the the argument with um you know is in that case is god really all loving all knowing like we like some people would think or perceive of of that type of god to be because in order for that god to be like that <clears throat> he would probably have to or it would have to deceive to some degree by injecting a narrative into humanity that is slightly skewed from what reality is, if that makes sense. And that, that goes back like, to the whole, yeah. It's sort of like this is God's playground and he's just experimenting. Sandbox. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, but then in what way would that, would that, how would that have room for people of, of a devout religion or a devout religion where they want to believe in one type of structure as opposed to all the structures, and and if so, how how could there be a god that would create all those structures and not be at least partially a well, deceiver? Let's stay in the Christian realm. Sense. I mean, if you go to a lot of primitive Baptist churches, Pentecostal churches, these kind of places, they would say, "No, God didn't create anything except what's here on Earth. We're the only living sentient beings." But if you go to the Catholic Church, they will say. Nothing stops God from creating whatever he wants. You know, if we if we find later that there are extraterrestrial beings, then we simply have the same obligation toward them <clears throat> as we do to humans. Not a not a point of contention at all. And I think the one thing that you said, Dean, which kind of stuck in my mind with regards to uh extraterrestrials looking like us. And I think that would maybe give some credence to God can coexist with aliens because if God created us in the Bible, it says God created man in his image. What's to stop him from creating other things in his image? In his image. Hmm? Right. But it doesn't have to be exactly because we can't assume that, you know, we look exactly like God, but the blueprint in the sense the bipedal and the two arms the two legs the you know the fingers and the toes and whatnot could could possibly no i feel like i'm reaching but i i I don't even see a problem with god creating insectoids there's nothing says that the things that he creates have to be in his image it just says man in his image man in his image right so there's nothing to say that out on a planet 10 
quadrillion light years away, he's like, oh, I think, uh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a that's a mm-hmm. technical number, right, Vic? Uh, <laughs> you, you're the math guy. Ten quadrillion miles away, and he's like, yeah, let's make these things that look like insects. Right? And we'll give them some intelligence <laughs> and, uh, you know, oh, you know, I made this thing over on Earth. It really worked well. really cool. They were mm-hmm. like stick people or like stick insects. Let's make it something <laughs> like that. And then, you know, give an intelligence. I mean, that's God's prerogative. That's just not. <laughs> or if you follow the logic in the movie <clears throat> Evolution, I have. have seen that one. At, then, yeah, everything starts off at, you know, lizard level and then eventually goes to primate level and then well, it, it, you keep going from there. Greetings, everyone. This is Cedric Dankworth Smythe. Actually, one ends up with a massive, globular, gelatinous being beset with various tendrils and sensory organs who seems to be particularly sensitive to selenium. In fact, the preferred method of battling such a creature is with a selenium enema given from firefighting apparatus. Of course, we have previously established that the tuki-tuki bird call does not work with avian evolution creatures. But more to Chris's point, I mean, you had the Cambrian explosion, which had such a huge, diverse period of life, you know, which is captured in the Burgess shell. And then everything kind of narrowed down dramatically. And... Who knows? But, I mean, it, it would seem to be highly improbable that unless we are the only successful blueprint for intelligent life, then we would be the standard that you would find on other worlds. To- well, one thing, too, to consider is um, if I, I totally uh, am tracking with you guys on the idea that if you just talk about God as a creator, and you remove the concept itself of structured religion and life after death, spirituality and the soul and all that stuff, I think that it can totally work. You can totally have a being that created the universe and create different forms of advanced life at different times and different places. But what what happens when you try to fit in that that back in that narrative of the soul? And one of the reasons why we're here to discuss like the paranormal and and demons and um and and the spiritual side. That kind of implies that there is another side of the veil that is not directly controlled by a, you know, let's just say Judeo-Christian God or or, or, or what we perceive as a good God. Um, and then because there's good there's good forces and evil forces spreading all the way mm-hmm. back to Zoroastrianism. And um, and but if you fit that narrative back in there with the creator God creating other intelligent life forms outside of humanity, what how can you I mean, I'm just curious. How would you not to challenge, but just out of curiosity, how would you guys fit that narrative back in there for, say, an advanced insectoid life form or civilization? To, you know, would would they theoretically have the same kind of soul that we do? And if so, how would someone who believes in Judeo Christian or like uh, Christianity, where Jesus is like the one way to get to the other side, is that just for humanity? But at the same time, like he was the Trinity, so there couldn't be a fourth, like you know, insectoid savior. I'm just going you're up not, like really crazy here, but I'm just purely curious, like how, how you guys would perceive that. Well, you're not going crazy at all. I mean, you're, so, you're talking about very reasonable speculations. And um, yeah, 
Second off, I'd I'd like to throw out a compliment here. Uh, One of the guests we had recently was named Sylvia Schultz. And we were talking about the show and she said something along the lines of, oh, dork talk. Yeah, I'm all I'm all in for dork talk. Um, What did she say, Dave? She said, I don't know. Nerd, and then she hung she up. She called paranormal it bear, dork talk. paranormal yeah. dork talk. That's that's what we. Uh, that was the subtitle. That was the yeah. subtitle. I think. And I would just like to say, you guys are prime grade A paranormal dork talk. <laughs> oh, <man>. Absolutely, <laughs> nerd it up. I yeah. please yeah. stamp that on my. Oh, yeah. you know, we need to yes. make badges. Paranormal <laughs> dork <laughs> badges. <laughs> we'll, we'll send you some. But, I got a PhD <laughs> in paranormal dork. <laughs> Well, okay, I'll just use myself as a well, I mean, And I know I'm sipping on JJ, and I'm sorry, JJ, and I'll shut up in a minute because I've talked too much tonight. But I'm a Christian, a relatively devout Christian. I think about the ideas presented in the Bible. I think about the ideas presented through the various philosophers all the time. Every single day of my life, probably the main thing I think about is trying to reconcile these various philosophical systems of the universe. Now, I can tell you this, if suddenly tomorrow we find that we've got a million aliens on Titan, let's just use something close to us so we have some chance of ever communicating with it, doesn't impact my faith one bit. Not at all. Not at all. Now, I mean, why is that the case? I don't know. Maybe it's simply because I have never felt that there's anything special about being human. There is something special about being, about being sapient. What about you, Dave? I mean, is that going to impact your faith at all? No. I, I, I mean, my view on this is, is simple. You know, God's got his own deal. We, we know what's been mm-hmm. exposed to us as far as our experience and as far as Scripture. Beyond that, I, don't, I have no need to put constraints on God. God can do whatever he wants. Correct. You know, he's, there's, again, there's nothing that says that this is all there is. After the seven days, God didn't go on to start a brand new week on an eighth day and go create a bunch of insectoids <laughs> on another planet. I mean, and however, I mean, maybe they Jesus comes to them differently as a beautiful praying mantis. I have no idea, but I don't. I don't feel the need to put a barrier on that and say, well, just because it's not in the story that we're told, God can't do it. Because I'm sure you can. You actually verbalized what I was thinking just now of not Jesus being an insectoid, but the whole concept <laughs> of... Yeah, I'm going to pay for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole concept of, let's say, like God created the entire universe, and I'm Catholic, so I'm not blaspheming. I'm just, no, I'm you're just not thinking out loud. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for the sake of this, the purpose of this uh, discussion, God creates the universe, he creates humanity, then he creates these different aliens. I don't know if you guys played Halo, the Halo game series, like he created the covenant, the covenant looking type of aliens. Um, What's to say that Jesus or Moses or the different prophets that have existed were his mechanism? of communicating with humanity 
And if he didn't have that same mechanism with those different civilizations that he could have potentially created in other parts of the cosmos. So like, it doesn't have to be like married to our faith because in the the same essence with Islam, Christianity and Judaism, we all kind of lead down the same path. Like we all want to get, to the same place to to be with god jj could probably correct me if i'm incorrect on the judaism aspect of it but essentially i think like it's the method the method the methodology that could potentially be used that could be different so like vic said that if we found aliens on titan it wouldn't affect his faith and me being a catholic it wouldn't affect mine as well because I would just see them as, okay, they're just other creations of God and I'll treat them the same way I would treat any other sentient living thing with Correct. respect. And another thing I wanted to touch on is the hubris of humanity that in this vast universe, we're the only sentient, intelligent, living being. And that goes back to the TikTok that JJ shared with me of Betty and Barney Hill. Yes, they could have potentially faked their abduction. But on the flip side to that, who's to say there aren't intelligent beings out there way more advanced than us that have existed for thousands upon thousands or even millions of years? I I just can't wrap my head around the concept of the hubris that some people have that human beings are the end all be all of intelligent life. It's extreme hubris. As soon as there is organic life found anywhere other than Earth, statistically, it becomes almost certain that there are more advanced civilizations. Definitely. JJ, did you have something you wanted to say? (laughs) Uh, We kind of left them hanging. (laughs) It was a long time ago. Don't worry about it. (laughs) You can jump in. Yeah, go for it. I mean, we don't ever set anybody up. But let me... um, let me say it's 11:22. We've only had one spin of the wheel. Yeah, we should probably pick another. We should probably do another spin of the wheel just to kind of divide things up a little bit. So, hitting F9, 1 2 3 stop. Okay. We have Satanism, Satanic Panic, Devil Worship. Number two, crying statues. Number three, ectoplasm, physical manifestations of the supernatural. Number four, a very broad topic, the the other world. Number five, unusual religions, Alm Shinrikyo, and the Australian nuclear test. And number six is Criswell predicts, predicts... or the amazing Criswell. I I would go for uh, Satanism. Yeah, well, and and uh, just to add fuel to that fire, uh, one thing that I just watched on Netflix, which I thought was pretty well done. I don't know if you guys have uh, seen it yet, but um, it was a new documentary that was talking about the Devil Maybe Do It case. Have you guys mm-hmm. gotten a chance to see that on Netflix yet? I have. You saw that, it, Chris? Is this a new documentary or it's is, brand new? I've seen something on it before. So this is a yeah. new take. 
I, yeah, I, I highly recommend it only because it seems like this is the first time in years that they actually got the real family members who experienced it to sit down and give their accounts. Ah, and, okay. and the reason why it's so compelling to me is the oldest brother uh, jumps in at the end and I won't ruin it. Uh, but the oldest brother jumps in at the end and gives his critical response on the actual events. And he kind of pokes holes in the whole thing. And I thought that, that was fascinating to have someone give that perspective. Um, that's what I love to see. I like to see both sides of the spectrum there. Um, so, but, but you guys, we can, we can feel free to talk about that or jump on another topic. Well, I, I think we already are. So, so did you find that to be compelling enough to overturn the idea of the original story? I did. Yeah, I did no actually. Um, um, but I guess everyone's open for interpretation because actually the, the boy who was supposedly originally, um, uh, his body was in or his soul was inhabited or, you know, he was, um, taken over. He actually gave his account through the documentary and still ended on the note that he believed he was, um, he, you know, he, he had that demon in his body. Uh, but even though he shared that belief, I still saw enough data or enough like points to suggest that this could have been not fabricated, but just kind of like a tweaking of things, kind of like, a. Uh, people fooling each other and kind of like twisting their own thoughts in certain ways. So I'm trying to say things without ruining it too much because it's actually a really good documentary. No, it's okay. We're talking. I I didn't get the original title, but I I guess we're talking about the actual case that the Exorcist was based on. So this is the case that Ed and Lorraine Warren were on, mm-hmm. where there was a boy. Uh, I think he was, what, like 10, 11, 12? He was fairly young. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Who was supposedly possessed, and they were doing an exorcism on him, and I think it was the brother, right? Where the the brother was was like, take it into me. Sister's fiance. Sister's fiance, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And so supposedly the demon jumped. uh, Conjuring movie, which is probably the weakest of the entire series, uh, depicted this this exact scenario. Okay. I haven't seen that one yet. Um, You're not missing the whole lot. (laughs) No. They've kind of gone downhill. So, yeah, it was just a possession thing that, and the, the, so what they did was they, there was a murder afterwards that the guy who supposedly it jumped to committed. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And uh, Ed and Lorraine and the attorney tried to take it to court and use demonic possession as the um, defense. Ah. And the judge wouldn't let him do it. <clears throat> That's not surprising. Well, not at yeah. the beginning, but then they were at least in the movie, they were able to quote unquote, come up with the proof that showed all this. And then it was allowed. And that actually lessened the guy's sentence. I, but it still wasn't used as the main defense, right? It was maybe a, uh, at least according to the movie, it was the only defense he had because at least so I'm going off in the movie and I don't know how accurate it is to the actual case or not. Um, after 
after the demon jumped to the older sister's fiance, they were living in this other guy's house who was running a kennel out of his home. And the the fiance was getting sick throughout the day. He was working a blue-collar job, um, cutting down trees and doing other kind of construction-related materials. He got sick, came home. The guy who was running the kennel was drinking, was blasting music, and the guy, the fiance, simply lost control and imagined that he was vict- uh, He was um, graping the woman, and then stabbed him numerous, numerous times, and then walked away from the house. And then they cornered him like a mile down the road. And he makes the claim that he had no recollection of what happened. Mm-hmm. Yep. And according to police, jo- Arnie Johnson is his name. He said, when they put him in the cruiser, I need help because I've got a drinking problem. So okay. he might have been completely blacked out drunk. When yeah, he that did was the actually stabbings. the account in the documentary did it. Uh, did say that they had all been drinking, including um, Arnie, before the the stabbing occurred, um, and that was actually one of the arguments that the judge rose uh, whenever they tried to use the demon offense or defense was, you know, this is open and shut. You know, the guy was drunk, and um, he apparently just lost control in his drunken rage at this guy, just focused his energy on this guy and stabbed him. Um, so that's the that's the non spiritual account i guess from from the the um the legal perspective i don't feel like i can add anything to this particular case yeah i'm not sure there's there's much to add it was it, it was a controversial thing but otherwise so satanism as a whole where we head there so i have really been enjoying the videos that the Church of Satan have been releasing on their official TikTok channel. Even. <laughs> and, uh, Enjoying how? JJ, they you have to grab been, the holy water and come visit you? No. <laughs> so the thing is, is that the, the church, the temple of Satan, I should rather say. So I think that there is a difference between the two, and I don't quite know what it is. Uh, the Temple of Satan makes a pretty staunch case that Satan is not real, and they go for a concept of your will is invalid. No one can defy you. You have complete bodily autonomy, and... You should also not interfere with others' bodily autonomy. So they go from a completely humanitarian angle, but yet a lot of their stuff is just so creepy. In fact, this is one of the things that Chris and I are going to be talking about. They released a children's book called Goodnight Baphomet. And the first few, like there, I think there are seven tenets in this book. The first few 
seem fine, you know, it's play nicely with others, etc. But then they get into some really creepy ones where on the surface, and this seems to be to me the entire point, on the surface, these ideals seem noble. They seem fine. But once you dig, start digging just a tad bit deeper, it opens up an entire can of worms that is absolutely frightening. And the one thing that keeps popping up into my head is I had one of my best friends. He was reading the Satanic Bible. And he remarked to me one day of, you know what? I came across this one passage that said, if someone is interfering with you, destroy them utterly. Yep. And that, whenever I read any of these tenets, that is the thought that is echoing in the back of my head. Because there is nothing that prevents you from going to that severe extreme. Even with the interview of the head priestess of the Satanic Temple back in the day with Art Bell, she would often say, yeah, if someone is bothering you, I just go into the ritual chamber and I unleash my anger and my hatred. And maybe the guy, nothing bad happens to the guy. Maybe, let's say that he's interfering with you at work and you go out and you wish into the universe that this guy is no longer bothering you. Well, maybe he gets a promotion and he goes to some sunny place. Who cares what the end result is? The point is, is that he is no longer a stumbling block for you. Fascinating. I, I remember reading the Satanic Bible in high school, and what I got out of that, I was expecting something drastically different, right? You know, grimoire-type stuff, you know? And really, what I got of it is is just do whatever the hell you want. That's that's what it comes down to. Pretty this much. Is, uh, yeah. Chris, you chose it. What was your thought? What I found interesting, I actually... JJ was nice enough to send me the link to that Art Bell episode where he did interview the priestess who called herself the head of the Council of Nine. So I'm assuming it's the Nine Nazgul, but um, <laughs> not sort of the Rings reference. The Nine Nazgul, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> One thing that I always come back to is that they say they kind of say that they're humanist, but then it's like they go back to saying that they kind of believe in Satan at the same time, mm -hmm. which it's like, which one is it? Mm -hmm. Are you, um, that are you in the camp that human beings just have full control of everything that we do? We have our own free will. There is no God. There is no, this, there's no, that just don't harm anyone else to a certain extent, unless you're doing a destruction ritual or do you submit? to satan as a deity and if that's the case if it's if you make the claim that satan doesn't exist then why do you call it the satanic church why are you odd, doing the it? complete yeah why are you doing it the complete opposite of the christian church like that, that's 
that's one thing that always baffled me and it's like it seems very wishy-washy it's like when i was listening to that episode it it sounded like they were trying to convince themselves that Mm -hmm. what they were doing is is correct well to me it's a great bit of marketing so if you come out and freely admit that yes satan is real we worship him then your target audience goes way way down because why would you willingly align yourself to the losing side however if they can wave their hands and say no 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 there's no real satan it's just we're we believe in ourselves and that's it then you have drastically widened your net every bomb that grew up in a really oppressive Christian household who wants to rebel against that childhood is like, yeah, I like the sound of that. We'll use Satan as our moniker because Satan's not real. And it's a, you know, a big, uh, it's a big smackdown to the Christian roots and that you don't believe in anymore. You know, everyone who grew up, I mean, that's, we all have that rebellious phase, which is when I was reading the Satanic Bible myself. And I I think that's what they capture is that rebellious spirit in people who felt like they had oppressive childhood that, uh, you know, religion. Well, you think back of what you talk about. You, you said the other day, actually, JJ, that you miss it. But that hellfire and brimstone we grew up with. Yep. And if you don't get past the whole, well, maybe there's value in some of that. And you're stuck with the whole, I hate the way I grew up. I hate religion. This is a great marketing tool for that person. And they have had some serious wins on their mm-hmm. side. Um, now, I'm not trying to get political. I, I'm not coming down for or against in one way, shape, or form. Uh, however, after the whole Roe versus Wade was struck down, they released a brand new program called the Samuel Alito's Moms Center for Reproductive Freedom. And mm-hmm. that is just, I mean, that's the, the most brilliant piece of marketing that I have ever heard. Yes. And the after-school program terrifies me. Me too. That uh, is know, some weird yeah. stuff. It, it really is. You know, the idea of young kids going around singing about Lucifer and, you know, hey, <laughs> go team. I find that extremely disturbing. Well, but here's an interesting person. Sorry, go ahead, man. Sorry, uh, the last thing, and then I'll shut up. The the other thing is that in most of their promotional videos, especially when they are aimed at kids, the two primary figures that are always represented is Baphomet and Satan. Even in cartoon form, it is always those two. Baphomet is the, you know, the symbol for the church, what most people traditionally think of now as the devil, the goat-headed thing. That's really Baphomet. And then Satan is this red-skinned devil that struts around on. I actually just got through watching one of the videos that had Baphomet on the turntable and Satan up there rapping about bodily autonomy. And it was one of the most surreal things I think I have ever seen. Anyway, I'll <laughs> shut up. Go ahead, Dean, please. Um, I was just going to comment that I think I find all this, like, 
my myself by myself i'm traditionally um not an atheist i always considered myself agnostic in the in the traditional sense of what agnosticism means which is you don't know if god exists or not or god is real or not um i i do believe there's something uh greater than us but i have to just say stepping back out of the sphere of this conversation and kind of like stepping above and looking down on all of humanity i kind of see this moment with the evolution of the the church of satan and stuff or um uh the pyramid or whatever and like it, it kind of reminds me of like say you take like a demon that we see today as evil and you go back far enough and you see that that particular demon was actually like a good entity or like you know someone else some other religions savior or or uh protector like like uh um jj's favorite pazuzu and i kind of like i you know pazuzu gets a bad rap like he was you know he protected mothers and children back in the day but then he kind of like turned into this evil uh entity after the exorcist kind of picked up on that and that was that in in and of itself was at least from the broader masses perspective an evolution of of a deity and to be fair even though i you know it's very clear that Judeo-Christianity with the concept of of Satan, which is on so many people's minds and across so many religions, it's still only a blip of humanity. Like the t- traditional idea of Satan only goes back so far. And then you start to get into like polytheism and and different types of animal, animal ritual, animalistic or whatever um, religions that didn't have that evil deity. So when I see the church of Satan taking this and trying to turn it into something slightly positive, I have to wonder, like, is this just the next evolution of religion and humanity to where we kind of evolve, you know, maybe a thousand years from now, somebody will have, uh, or, or God and Satan will have, someone will have argued that they finally meshed into the next evolution and there is no more evil. I don't know. I'm just like speculating, but like, that's what I think of when I hear stories like this is the evolution of someone taking an idea and trying to form it to society in that given moment. And that's how we end up like a hundred years later with some different concept of, of spirituality or deity or religion, like in, in and of itself. Thanks, Dean. Yeah. Something else to keep me up at night. I appreciate that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's what I'm here for. I'm I'm the I am the the perspective that no one thinks about. <laughs> the Great Reconciliation by Dean. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it makes sense, right? Like we we started with, and I know JJ is going to get mad at me for this because I know like it's like the worst uh, rap that you know, the Torah has turned into like the old Testament is, or the Torah has turned into the old Testament. And that's part of the, the, um, the new Bible and the old Bible and stuff like that. Like the, the new, um, uh, the Bible that we have today, but like that it is an evolution, right? Like we started with Zoroastrianism with like the one good force and the one bad force. And then it kind of like evolved from there. So when I think about that evolution, and I think about like I, I kind of injected it into Judeo Christianity and all the ideas of like Satan and hell and heaven and God and and Jesus or whatever. And I just have to like say like wh- like we've been around for so long. Like if you believe that humans are two hundred thousand years, have been around for two hundred thousand years plus modern humans, and you can see that progression. Like we we've never had a time in human history where we can see so clearly our his, our history and the progression of history and the evolution of say religion. And I just have to sit, like, I have to think like, how is it going to evolve in a thousand years? And are we living that right now? That's just something that just plays in my head. Well, that, I mean, yeah. So, you know, the oldest religious texts that we have 
are from Zoroastrianism. And back when it started, there really wasn't this like severe concept of duality. And it wasn't until the revel the revelations of Zarathustra that it become this true dualistic religion with uh, Ahura Mazda on the good side and Ahriman on the evil. And then that infected Judaism, and that eventually replaced the idea that Sheol, the afterlife, was just this kind of gray, featureless cave that people hung out in, and the idea of a hell began to form. And before that, who knows what happened? But I mean, it, it's a good point. You know, these are relative, at least in terms of geologic age, these are just uh, the merest recent drop in a bucket. But then we can also tie in the idea, which I, I firmly believe in, that there is something greater than us because all these experiences that we've heard, um, I, I would say, like I think I've said this before on The Wandering Road, but if there's like 90% of the events that we hear about, whether it's um, cryptid or extraterrestrial or supernatural, um, whatever, demonology related, if there's 90% that's just noise, I would always say that no matter what, there's 10% signal that we just, there's no explanation. It's It seems like there is a high likelihood or at least a moderate likelihood that something is going on beyond our understanding. Then, then you have the fun of meshing that in with the perspective that we just introduced, which like the evolution of religion. And then we kind of can argue, you know, maybe it's kind of like a Tulpa effect. Uh, Chris, we talked about that before where it's like, you know, are we, yep. are, are, are humans just so powerful and so capable of what we believe in that we actually can materialize the progression of different beliefs at different times in history? And, and what is, but, but it, does that carry over after we die? That would really suck if we inadvertently created a hell <laughs> that we would go to <laughs> oh, and we just happen to be that in that part, you know, that, <laughs> that point of history. Okay. So everyone collectively start thinking about rainbows and lollipops and we'll just, let's, let's move on from there. That's have how we get ever, to the place we want to go. Have y'all ever read C.S. Friedman? I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. I have not. I have not. He wrote a fantastic series of books, and it's both sci-fi and fantasy, where they found an, uh, a humanity found a habitable planet. They went to it, and the moment they landed, their will began to manifest their desires to the point where they suddenly had like 20 Jesuses running around. And this planet just happened to be able to reflect what we wanted. And that then became magic. It's always been an, an interesting idea, but actually just to go back to the thought I was going, I, I had earlier and I've, I just couldn't remember it. There's this idea of regionality when it comes to deities and you find it especially in Akkadian religions but you didn't just have one incarnation of a deity you had for example Ishtar of region name of city name and those incarnations could be radically different than one another 
And who's to say that in the grand cosmic scale, we don't have the same thing? We have God of human earth who manifested in these forms, but then for any other society, it would be God of insectoid world B, where he is a, a chameleon. Who knows? Well, I know Chris is getting getting tired, and uh, he's had a long day. So if we can we can wrap up. I got a question for you guys, though. Um, I have heard you guys talk about tulpas on your show, and so here's my question: If we have this ability to create create tulpas right through mass belief. It seems like we would have a lot more than Bigfoot and Slenderman, right? And UFOs. It, it, it seems to me that there would be, I mean, narwhals swimming down the street. Uh, <laughs> just Godzilla, an example from earlier. big giant octopuses, you name it. Right. You know, <clears throat> unicorns dancing on the buildings. I don't know. We we would have the dancing baby walking around, uh, you know, the original internet viral video, right? I mean, it, it seems like there would be a lot more there. What do you, what do you, yeah. how do you explain that? I agree with you. I, there, there has to be some degree of constraint. Like we are, we're clearly not, we don't have free reign over that sort of thing. Um, so I, I suppose that it's totally feasible and even maybe probable that there is some entity that is aware of what we feel and what we believe in and helping or not helping in the sense that it's, you know, positive, but like, you know, ushering in for whatever reason, certain things, maybe it has to do with the population in terms of majority or like the most people thinking about, because, you know, people say like prayer changes things. And I, to a degree, believe in that. Like, I think that if you get some enough people in a room focusing on one thing, maybe you really can alter the course of outcomes in a certain way, at least moderately. Um, so, but I do think at the same time that you can never, ever get everyone in a room and think of like, you know, purple dragon monster that spits cookies and that it'll suddenly appear like no matter how many people you get in a room, you're never going to get that. But well, and I, I don't, I, you think, I think there's a, I was well, just going to say, I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, go, go, keep going, man. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> All right. I got, I'll, I'll stop in like three seconds, but like, no, okay, pick it please. up. Three, two, one. So um, I think if you ever got enough people in a room, you could probably never achieve that level of materialization, but it doesn't have to be materialization in the sense that it's a physical entity that pops into existence for however, however long. It could just be the progression of leading to something like that thing that you're wanting to happen. Maybe it's not exactly the, out the outcome you're trying to get after, but maybe there is a progression that will lead to that outcome itself. I don't know if that makes sense, but anyway, yeah, I'll stop there. No, yeah, it's okay. I I was going to say I I think that the um it's pretty much proven at this point that intent can change reality. Right? There are uh, experiments out there at a macro well, scale very problematic. That's still reality. Yes. It's still mm -hmm. reality, right? <clears throat> so there are experiments out there with quantum number generators where mm -hmm. they they get oh, yes. people in a room and they focus on even numbers versus odd numbers and more even numbers start popping up. 
They focus on the odd numbers, more odd numbers start popping up. There is clearly something happening, but that is at a, a super, super simplistic level, right? When you talk about something complex, like a figure of a certain shape that's going to walk around and have its own, um, you know, its own ability to make decisions and direct itself where it goes, what it does. I don't, I don't know if that's, if it's possible. Yeah. Uh, um, and then, you know, what's, I actually have a uh, really quick, uh, quickly, a creepy thing that I've experienced in my life. So I, I will say up front that I've had some things happen to me here and there, but I've never, I have never had anything to the degree to which you guys appear to have had um, instances of, of strange things happening, but Something on a broader scale that has happened to me throughout my life that I found fascinating and really kind of scary kind of falls into this vein that we're talking about now. And I can only explain it in a broader sense without I could go into a million details or a million examples, but it's going to take way too long. I just have this thing where I'll think about something or something will cross my mind. And um and I know, I know what you're thinking already. Like, you know, well, oh, just because you think about the thing and the thing pops in front of you just because you're thinking about it, you're more aware of it. So you're more in tune to picking it up in your environment. But I've actually thought about this and I've actually paid extra close attention to it. There have been so many instances, even within the last few months, where I will come across something completely new, completely just or something I haven't thought about or seen. Maybe it's a movie or a clip or a word or something that I haven't seen used or pop up in like years and years and years. I'm I'm just like absolutely sure of it. And then the next couple of days I will be inundated either out in public or coming across it on my my feed or something. And and I'll give you the creepiest example I could think of, which is kind of funny but it's also creepy to a degree. I used to be obsessed with the Simpsons. I I love the Simpsons show. Like I thought it was brilliant and I could probably, you know, I could probably word for word um, say half the dialogue across all the shows that ever exist, all the episodes that have ever existed. And I used to watch that ritualistically for years. Um, there was a time, like a block of a few years of my life where I would not maybe like for a month or so, I would not watch the Simpsons and then I would get the craving to watch it. So I'd be like, okay, I would go to my entire database, my list of all the Simpsons episodes and seasons I have, I would click on a random one and then there were even times where I would choose one and I would be like, this is, I wonder if it's going to play out the same way. And then I would choose another random one instead. And in that episode was the line that I was thinking about that made me want to watch the Simpsons again. Like I would, I would have a joke pop in my head from the Simpsons be like, oh, that's so funny. I want to watch it again. And without even knowing what episode I would consistently pick. Even if I tried to trip myself up, knowing that I might pick the same one, I would always end up picking the one that had the line or the joke that I had been thinking of within the last like 24 to 48 hours. And that didn't just happen one or two times. That happened dozens and dozens and dozens of times over the years. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I could come to the conclusion of is there maybe there's some subliminal or um, non-conscious awareness that we all have as people. Mm -hmm. that is somehow seeping over into our conscious awareness making a, like leading us to make decisions in a certain way but then if that's true mm -hmm. then what does that mean for our psyche is there another us in there somewhere that is actively 
leading us to do certain things that we don't have control over, that we can't, that it can influence us, but we cannot influence it. To me, that's kind of a creepy in and of itself. But then you can also talk about um, what David was saying with, you know, like thinking about something enough and making it materialize in reality um, based off of how you're focused on it or what you're thinking about. And that's, that's kind of my little niche of weird experiences in my life. I've had that happen so many times. Um, It's actually really creepy. So you should try. I put a link in the chat to uh, this is Rupert Sheldrake. Yes. Okay. Cool. And and he's done experiments like this. There's actually on there. There's a joint attention one. This would be fun for for you and Chris to try. Uh, this is where one of you focuses on an image, and the other attempts to pick the image that the first one is focused on. Okay. But, you know, there there are all these little quirks that they've tried experiments with from a, a consciousness standpoint and trying to figure out science behind it and why it does certain things. There's some strange stuff out there that that's real. Well, I, I mean, there's this... Have you ever played the Persona games? By any chance? Anybody? Persona. Persona. So. No. Oh, it's one of the best series. It's my favorite RPG series, bar none. But uh, it's the whole series started off with this idea that the collective consciousness of humanity is being manifested by rumors. So the rumors would begin to spread in a certain city, and then that would manifest whatever it is, and then you'd have to go off and combat it. And you get the same kind of concepts, uh, I think, even in modern Japanese society. Uh, Going back to yokai, there are, you know, these are not beings that are frozen in time. Um, there are constant evolutions, which I don't think anyone in the West is even aware of. I was in, when I was in Tokyo last year, I happened to watch, um, I know I've spoken about this before, but uh, I was watching a, uh, a daily talk show and they were talking about brand new yokai that were popping up and one of them was a motorcycle riding samurai armor clad undead monster wielding a katana that was uh, actually like harassing people in a major metropolitan city that's very cool I believe we're torturing Chris, and and I would like to say two things, and then I think I'm going to end the show. Talking about what Dean was just discussing, in terms of being able to randomly choose a Simpsons episode and have the line in the Simpsons episode that you were thinking about, I I think there are two things going on there. First off, they probably use a lot of the same lines across different Simpsons episodes, (laughs) and and, so that's going to cut down on the uh, sample pool. Um, but I think it's very clear that we know a lot more than we think we know. As we take in data on a daily basis, there's no utility in, in hanging on to most of it consciously. There's no, there's no advantage in memorizing all of the different Simpsons episode and what was, episodes and what was said in them. But your brain kind of does it anyway. And sometimes when you're just in that correct mental state, that little piece of information pops up. Happens to me all the time. 
And, and I will say things like, how did I know that? Well, I don't believe I'm really psychic or any of that kind of thing. I think it's just something that I saw my brain registered. It didn't have any reason to put it in my consciousness, but it's still there. Can I ask you real quick? Did you ever make an attempt uh, being aware of that possibility to change your decision and then have it end up ultimate? Because that's the thing that gets me is I have been so bothered by this thing happening to me for so long (laughs) that I've actually actively tried to trick myself you tried to trick yourself. i would go to i would go to an episode like for choose and then I'm like no i'm gonna and then i would do it again no no i'm not gonna pick that one pick this one and somehow the second third fourth choice like i try to trip myself up i still you still get the, the you still get the line it's it's so creepy and, and just to be specific too real quick like it's it, these lines and these jokes it's not just like dough or like cowabunga you know these are very intricate well-written jokes that are very specific right. to the episode so it's a complex so, thing yeah. you're choosing absolutely well, the interesting yeah. perspective of that is what if you had chosen the first episode you wouldn't have gotten the joke Exactly. Yeah. I, and exactly. Yeah. I don't know how we research things that's, like that, but at least it's, yeah. I think it seems, <laughs> Sorry, it seems at least no, amenable that's, to that's the cool. idea of being researched. Okay. Yeah. Last story. I was very quiet during the Satanist stuff because that ends up being emotional for me. So I decided simply to be quiet. Talking about tulpas, talking about one's intention, changing the world, changing something physical in the world. I believe I did that one time. And it's such an unusual set of events that I, I don't normally talk about it. And people laugh at me when I, when I say it, we lived in Louisiana, we lived in a trailer. My dad had a friend named Ray Whitehead. Ray Whitehead was this huge guy with these massive hands. And he was a, an amateur prestidigitator, meaning he could do little magic tricks with his hands. So what do you do when you have a little boy or a little girl and you can do that kind of thing? You say, Hey, see the nickel or see the quarter, see the dollar. And they say, and just, just then it's gone. Where did it go? Oh, there it is behind your ear. And then they'll reach behind your ear and they'll pull the the 50 cent piece out. You've seen people do this or they will say, you know, they'll put the, they'll put the nickel in their hand and hold it over your hand. They'll say, okay, Hold your hand out and I'll I'll drop the nickel in your hand. And they open the hand up and, of course, there's no nickel there. Well, these are really, really simple tricks for people who know how to handle their, how to uh, use their hands. But to a six-year-old, it was magic. I mean, (laughs) you know, to, to me, he was really doing exactly what he said he was doing. So I became obsessed with making a quarter disappear. That was my whole purpose in life for about a month. And so I would have the quarter in my hand and I'd say, Hey mom, hold out your hand. And she'd hold out her hand and I open my hand. The quarter would drop, 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 drop. One day, now you've got to understand how Spartan our living conditions were. I slept on a shelf. We had one tiny bathroom and Privacy had gone out the window a long time ago. My sister was sitting on the toilet. I'm in there bugging her while she's on the toilet with my quarter. <laughs> okay. That's quite a mental picture you're painting. <laughs> well, it's the truth. It's the way it was. And it's, it's like, 
And I tried it three or four times. Okay, Marty, hold your hand out. Plop. Okay, Marty, hold your hand out. Plop. Okay, Marty, hold your hand out. No plop. Quarter gone. Now, the you know the 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 main thing people will say is, well, it fell on the toilet. No, it didn't fall on the toilet. <laughs> it it didn't fall on the floor. It didn't fall on the carpet. Either that quarter disappeared, or I have held on to a hallucination all these years. Or you just ticked off a ghost who was like haunting you or something for so long. They're like, ah, <laughs> yeah, just, just get the quarter out of the kid's hand. I'll, I'll take that quarter. <laughs> Can you make Vic shut up? Here, grab the quarter, would you? <laughs> well, just I mean, make part, it part of it is that it's not like it was just the, the thousand times we were sitting in the living room or the thousand times we were out on the porch. She's on the toilet. Yeah. You know, doing things that are normally done in private and probably pretty irritated that I was there bothering her. <laughs> And that's so, fa- no, that's fascinating though, and and you can even go a step further and say that maybe your family members also had a degree of effect on that thing happening. Maybe it so wasn't certainly. just you materializing right. it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But <laughs> that actually reminds me real quick of like, have you guys ever dropped something on the floor and it's just gone? Yes, <laughs> you know, you just, yes. thousands like, of times. It's fascinating, right? Like, how does that even happen? And um, I just that just reminded me of that. But that I totally believe your story. I think that um, when you're six years old, like you are aware enough. Uh, you know, to, to log that as something significant. Um, so that, that's a really fascinating story well, to me. And the intensity that you can believe in something with is much, much greater at that age. At that as age. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Gentlemen, this was astoundingly fun. Absolutely. Uh, Chris yeah. and Dean, I hope that at some point we can do this where Chris isn't quite so exhausted and we will not <laughs> torture you to the same degree. Um, <laughs> I have well, some questions might, but... <laughs> that I would like to be able to send to you guys offline. Is there some way I can do that easily? Yeah, I'll give you my email. Well, why don't you use this as a way of, I mean, uh, advertising to people how you would like to be contacted on The Wandering Road. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my bad, man. No, you're, you're good. Um, yeah, guys, um, you can reach us via email at twroadpodcast mm-hmm. at gmail.com mm-hmm. um, we have an open invitation to people that want to come on as a guest and share their paranormal experiences cryptid experiences anything unusual that can be paranormal of that sort or if they have stories that they would like to share um, if you're you know audio shy and you don't want to be on a show we'll dedicate an episode to you or if you have any questions or topic suggestions for us you could reach us you could reach us there and how can they find your podcast just in general yeah um you if you pull up whatever podcast app you have whether it's uh apple podcast spotify google podcast we're advertised on many podcast platforms and search the wandering road podcast you'll be able Mm -hmm. to find us there and our most recent episode which just released 13 minutes ago um, <laughs> I believe it is episode number 36. We did a deep dive on Pazuzu Algarod. Excellent. So tune in and cool. check that out. All right. JJ, thank you. Dave, thank you. Chris, thank you. Dean, thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Take, take care, care guys. Yeah, thank you, guys. This was fun. Hi, everyone. This is Vic Hermanson. Whatever you celebrate at this time of year, or if you celebrate nothing at all, 
We hope that you have a very joyous December. The Paranormal Rundown is a joint production of myself, Vikram Manson, J.J. Johnson, Dave Griffith, and Father Michael Birdsong. The excellent and joyous Christmas music you heard tonight is from Tim Taj from the Ukraine. Go check him out. He's made a huge amount of music for videos, movies, podcasts, you name it. Excellent musician. Any media clips you heard were used under the protection of the Fair Use Doctrine. We put a lot of work into the Paranormal Rundown and have a few small requests. First, if you'd like to be a guest, if you have any topics that should be added to the 1700, let us know. Write to us at feedback at paranormalrundown.com. If you can, please rate and review this podcast wherever you can. That helps us more than anything else. With the possible exception of just telling your friends about the incredibly strange podcast called The Paranormal Rundown. The next episode, episode 12, will not happen until 2024. So once again, the happiest of holiday seasons. Bye-bye.